Everybody, welcome to Pretty Scary. Pretty Scary Boo. Caitlin, how's it going? I'm boiling. How are you? I am also boiling. Oh my God. It is very hot in California these days. I don't know if you people been watching the news, but California has been burnt to a crisp. Yeah, it's it's the kind of heat that makes national news. It's been crazy. It's bad. It's bad, and it's also exposing bad infrastructure. It's just, I feel like that's the theme of the year. Like, oh, let's put a pressure point on all your poorly constructed uh, ideas, institutions, and elements of democracy, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, that kind of sums up 2020, and we still got the election to go, too. I don't know how many of you out there are astral uh, astrology people, but... You, everybody needs to check out Mars retrograde. You'd be interested in it, Adam, actually. And we are about to head into a Mars retrograde on top of a Mercury retrograde. And let me tell you, that's bad. <laughs> that's, it's not, well, it's not bad. It's just like, it's, it's, it's an intense time. It'll be, it's going to be intense between now and the middle of November. Yeah. I don't know if there's any belief system in the world right now that would not tell you Things are going to be tense for the next next few years. Like Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those times. We're living in history right now. That's the only thing I can even think to say anymore. We, oh, we are. There are so many documentaries that will come out of 2020. Yeah. It's a time. And on top of that, it's freaking hot. And we can't even go to Disneyland. Are are you sure it's real? I mean, where how do you feel? I mean, I know it's real. I've been many times, but I feel like you're not you're not completely convinced. I mean, I will take your word for it that Thank Disneyland you. is a real place. Appreciate it. I've never been. Right. Well, as a child, my parents claim they took me when I was like 2, but mm-hmm. I certainly don't remember. Well, and it's a very American thought process to simply rule out the existence of something as massive as Disneyland if you've never seen it for yourself. Correct. Correct. If it's not impacting my life. Right then why should I give weight to the idea that it's even real? We shouldn't. If a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound, Caitlin? The answer is no, according to a lot of people. Correct. Same with Disneyland. Yeah. I mean, if you're not around uh, throughout somehow every single night of fireworks going off throughout the summer as a child in Orange County... I have to say one of the weirder parts of this quarantine is because I'm, I'm here in Orange County and every night you can hear the Disneyland fireworks every single night. Still? No. I remember a couple weeks into the, you know, our back when we were bleaching our mail, I remember my husband looking at me saying, oh my God, we can't, we haven't heard the fireworks. And it was this like very dark moment for us just it's like Disneyland for me uh, it's so odd for me to talk to someone who's never been it, it because I'm such a Southern California person yeah you know I mean every single person in my life like if it was your birthday you went to Disneyland that's like you either had a birthday party or your your parents took you to Disneyland those were your options literally every year you know growing up and I remember, I think it was like the day before Disneyland shut down. I tweeted, if Disneyland closes, we're in really big trouble. And then they closed. And I was like, you like the idea that Disneyland has been closed this whole time is it's, it's insane to me. It, it, it's like a person dying or something. Like, it's very weird that I can't go to Disneyland if I want to. Yeah, I've never been. I did have one incident with the fireworks once where... It was also a weird time for me because I was trying to get my car registered again after having not driven for two years. My registration expired and I had had my battery replaced recently and my car needed a smog check. And as it turns out, if you remove your battery and put a new one in, all those smog check sensors reset and you have to drive a certain amount of time to get them to work again so you can pass a smog check. Interesting. And 
this took me about a month to finally accomplish. And it was one of the most frustrating things because I, I didn't have a registration. So I was going to get pulled over at some point, I assumed like my tags were expired, but I also had to drive for hours at a time. (laughs) And I would, what I took to doing was driving to orange County every night. And one time I, like I would always turn around near Disneyland and one time I just timed it perfectly to where the fireworks were going off as I got there. And it was such chaos and it made me so nervous, but (laughs) I persevered and finally got my registration fixed after, after letting Vanessa Gritton drive my car for a week. Thank you, Vanessa. I appreciate it. Thank you, Vanessa. But I mean, that's even like further to the point, like this is a place you've never even been inside of and you have a story about it anyway. That's a crazy thing to think about. Yeah. How weird would it be if we were not talking about Disneyland on this episode? I think it would be fine. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, let's talk about Edward Wayne Edwards. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, today we're going to talk about Disneyland and not just Disneyland because this is pretty scary. So we can't just talk about Disneyland. We have to talk about all the chaos, like the, the, the the low lights of Disneyland. The Disneyland disasters. Yes. If you will. One of the reasons we're we're doing this episode is because next week's Bone Con episode, we're talking about a fantastic documentary called Class Action Park. Oh, it's really fun. It's it's a really it's a really great little it's also just nice because it's kind of a vacation mentally, even though there is like a very pervasive element of now in it. It's also just like kind of a funny, crazy story. Yeah, it it definitely harkens back to the rip-roaring 80s when yeah. the the phrase they use, and I think it's very accurate, is unregulated fun. Like the 80s really were, and I grew up in the 80s. I was born in 76. So the 80s, I remember, really were a time where if you were a kid, you could just go somewhere for hours and your parents would just assume you were going to be home at some point. No one cared. Like, it's such a cliche to say it, but it was a very different time. And Class Action Park is a documentary about that time and also about a very dangerous amusement park. Yeah. It, it, the other part of it that I like about it is that Chris Gethard is in it. And I have had, I, I'm madly in love with Chris Gethard. Like, I've had a crush on him since, like, the first time I saw him. <laughs> like, I think he's great. And he's a really great element in, in the documentary as well. Yeah, he's he's a good talking head. He's very funny, and he's obviously very knowledgeable about the place. It's narrated by John Hodgman, which is also yeah. cool. So cool. Uh, and it's on HBO Max, if anyone wants to watch it before next week's episode. I recommend. Yeah, it's really good. So let's talk about the happiest place on earth, Adam. Let's talk about Disneyland. There have been a lot of really gnarly incidents and (laughs) disasters at Disneyland over the years. Yeah, yeah. And people maybe should have seen it coming because the opening day of Disneyland, as it turns out, was quite the nightmare. I never I never really knew this. I just yeah. When we decided to cover Class Action Park is when I started looking into Disney a little more heavily than I have before. And yeah, I never knew all this stuff about the opening day. It was like 1950s fire fest, basically. It was. And it's also very funny to hear you say that because the disaster of opening day of Disneyland is like another Southern California tribal knowledge thing. It's just something we all know. Everybody has a parent or an uncle who was there that day. My grandma and grandpa took my mom who was like one to the opening day of Disneyland. Yeah. It was also broadcast on ABC hosted by Ronald Reagan. Gross. Wow. And apparently that live broadcast was chaos also. But yeah. inside the park, it was even more chaos. They still refer to the opening day of Disneyland as Black Sunday, which yep. that, that seems like a little bit much. But I guess in Disney lore, unless any of these other incidents happened on a Sunday, because if so, there's a couple that should definitely replace this as being Black Sunday. I want to say this. Considering the amount of people that flow through Disneyland on a daily basis and all of the rides that are going and everything that's happening, it's actually 
more impressive to me that this isn't like a four-part episode of hundreds of people dying all the time. I mean, if you think about it. Yeah, I think there've been 10 deaths at Disneyland on rides, something like that. Not as many as you, like it, it really is a decent number, all things considered. And then you think about like child abductions, sexual assaults, like it's pretty impressive that, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I, what we're about to talk about, I feel sorry for all the families and, and all these people that were harmed and people and all of those things. But like airlines kill more people. Like, <laughs> yeah, obviously. It's just incredible to me that more people haven't died at Disneyland. Yeah, it's kind of like shark attacks. We could do a six part episode on shark attacks, but that yeah. wouldn't make shark attacks any more common. Like, they're still pretty rare. And people dying at Disneyland is still pretty rare. It's rare, but as you will all discover, that when people die at Disneyland, they are like Wile E. Coyote Final Destination deaths. Disney knows how to entertain, that's for sure. It is. These stories are crazy. I mean, the opening day stuff is more like, as a producer, it is the most stressful sounding day I can conceive of. Because the other thing that's important to bring up before we get into it, it's like one of the things that I, that kind of dawned on me as I got older, I mean, Disneyland was the first theme park I ever went to. And it is, it's the best one. It, it is the best one. It's the, it's the most beautiful. There's no question that it is the most beautiful. The rides are integrated into the spaces. You go to every other theme park and it's like, a, you know, a field and there are rides. <laughs> Walt Disney was riding a brand at the opening of this thing. And the stakes of it were so high. And despite the chaos of this day, it speaks to how much people loved Disney, Disney, Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse and all of these things that people just kind of yada yada over the (laughs) disaster of the opening day. Like, you know, it's no surprise to me that they are just the biggest entertainment company in the world now. They always were in a lot of ways. Yeah, as disastrous as the opening day was by... September of that year, they had hit 1 million visitors. Like insane. Walt Disney was one of those power of positive thinking types where something like this would happen and he'd be like, I'm still Walt Disney, baby. Things are going to be fine. And they were. Yeah, they were. I mean, he walked into the World's Fair and was like, I'm going to do this and make it permanent. (laughs) And he did it. And he did. Yeah. But opening day One of the first problems, there were supposed to be 15,000 people there. It was just invite only. Tickets were mailed to friends and family of employees and the press, various celebrities, things like that. But a bunch of counterfeit tickets popped up. And this is, you know, 1955. You can't exactly scan those tickets and make sure they're legit. So the crowd ended up being more like 28,000 people. Yeah, like how the hell did my grandparents get in? Well... If there were like friends and family of employees who got tickets, I'm assuming that way, either that or the cooler option, they bought a counterfeit ticket. My grandpa would have definitely bought a counterfeit ticket. Nice. He's, there's no, yeah, he, he would have definitely done that. It's, it, anyway, go ahead. I. There were also supposed to be morning and afternoon tickets. The people who came in in the morning were supposed to leave by 2.30. But it's like, look, Walt, don't build the happiest place on earth and then expect people to leave in the afternoon. Nobody left. <laughs> you got a lot of World War II vets that are <laughs> jonesing for some dopamine. <laughs> yeah, nobody left. Everyone <laughs> stayed and hung out. So the crowds just keep getting bigger and bigger. And that meant traffic also getting in was a nightmare. It was backed up seven miles on the Santa Ana Freeway in 1955. Like you hear that now and it's like, oh yeah, did someone jackknife a semi of course it's backed up but in 1955 there was nothing out there there's barely enough cars in 1955 to back up seven miles of traffic yeah they were most of those were like fred flintstone mobiles people were just like pedaling themselves down the 22 that had just been built so people obviously in a situation like that are going to have to use the bathroom and so they did that on the side of the freeway or the more patient ones waited until they got in the parking lot of Disneyland before they used the bathroom right there in the parking lot. A little bit of Vegas, a little bit of Vegas. But 
at least they had bathrooms when they got inside. Which which they didn't realize that they almost didn't have. <laughs> right. They came very close to not having bathrooms because there was a plumber's strike during the construction of Disneyland. And Walt Disney had to choose between working bathrooms and working water fountains. He chose bathrooms, which is probably the right choice. It is a testament to his civic understanding that he chose the bathrooms. This is his quote. Well, you know, they could drink Coke and Pepsi, but they can't pee in the streets. One, yes, they can. They can. They And they probably would have if you went with water fountains instead of bathrooms. Uh-huh. But uh, like we mentioned, because there were so many more people, that meant concessions sold out very quickly. There was no food, no water, no soda, and it was over 100 degrees that day. I do not understand people that go to Disneyland during the summer anyway. Like, just just on principle. Like, I understand your... My, the way my parents used to do it is they would literally take us out of school, like, in the fall when things cooled down, and we would go in the middle of the week because... Oh, that seems like the best option, yeah. That was just... that In their mind, they're like, why would we go on a weekend in the summer? This makes no sense. Because it would be... It would be like a hundred. It's Anaheim. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hot. It's a hundred degrees in the middle of the summer. Yeah, this is July. We skipped over one thing that I don't want to skip over because the park wasn't finished at the point when they, like they were still painting structures. They just laid down new asphalt the night before. So women who wore high heels, their heels were digging. Oh my into God. The- high heels at Disneyland. Who would do it? So many people still. They still do it. I still see these crazy women that are like trying to look hot at Disney. <laughs> Everyone's hot at Disneyland. Just not in that way. So Get it together. stupid. Who wants to look sexy at Disney? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and the thing is, is that there, the answer is a lot of people. Like I know, I know that, that, that's, that the people do that, but like, I mean, look, I, I'm not lacking in self-confidence. I think I'm a pretty person. It's all of those things. I've never been burdened with being the hot girl though, which is a different category of woman. And I, and I'm, I'm fine with that. It's okay. Please don't tweet positive affirmations at me. I'm, I'm okay. (laughs) I I just wouldn't want to be a hot woman at Disneyland because I feel like that is a lot to try to carry, like carry off all day. Like, Cause your boobs are out and like you're in tight clothes. Cause you're hot. You're a hot person, but like you're, you're getting off splash mountain and you've got theme park water going on. You're not wearing comfortable shoes. I don't know. It just seems like being a hot person is like a lot of work, a hot woman, hot dudes. They're fine. They just wear shirts and jeans like every other dude, but of course, I don't know. It's so like push up bras involved. No thanks. Yeah, one of the things I love, one of the details about the park not being finished, there were a bunch of weeds in places where there shouldn't have been weeds. And I don't know how this, I guess it would be faster than just pulling the weeds, but what Walt Disney did is he put signs with Latin plant names everywhere that there were weeds to make it seem like they were just part of the attraction. Genius. It's genius. He was a, he was a genius. I mean, that's really smart. Yeah, I mean, he was a genius. He had his faults. Goes without saying. Let me tell this story. I think I have even told this story on the show before, and I don't even care. When I was working for a cabinet company, I used to hold these seminars every, like, once a quarter where people would come for these home improvement seminars. And it was my job to basically pull this whole thing off. And one day I had, a, like, one of those, like, crowd dividers. You know, it's like like a rope and two poles. Like, just a basic rope and two poles. And I was carrying them across the showroom and I got a text from my boss and she was like, I need you to come do this thing right now. So I just put the things down, like in the, literally in the middle of this showroom, I finished the thing my boss wanted me to finish. I come back and a line had formed behind the rope and poles that I had set up a line to nothing. (laughs) There was no, there was nothing there. I cannot tell you how awkward it was to just start to pull these things away slowly (laughs) <laughs> and not say anything and just walk away and watch the line dissipate. And the thing about people like Walt Disney is they have an innate understanding that people believe you. <laughs> just They believe you. So if you put, you know, Latin signs next to, you know, dandelions, 
people are going to be like, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Must be a import. Walt Disney, I've heard he's got these things shipped over from Italy. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, yeah, it would have taken more labor to pull the weeds, I'm sure. And one last story about the opening. This doesn't even happen during the opening, but there were a bunch of problems with the rides for a few weeks because things weren't finished. And one of the the ways that uh, really became a problem, a couple weeks after they opened, they had a circus enclosure. I love this story. At Disneyland, and that somehow failed, and a panther and a tiger escaped and fought to the death on main street usa can that happen every time at disney because then i'd go i'd go right now i'd risk the rona to watch that in person i think that's what they do at universal studios now (laughs) imagine being there the day that happened that's a great story i would feel like i had won some kind of lotto and no one died no one died it's disneyland what a couple of good kitties. I also really like the um, the Mark Twain riverboat story. Oh, yeah. That that did happen on opening day. They packed the Mark Twain riverboat too full of people, and it ends up sinking and getting stuck in mud. Oh. And they have to, they managed to extricate it from the mud and get it back to the dock. And by that point, everyone is so frustrated with having been on this boat for hours, they all try to leave off the same side at the same time. So then the boat just tips over and throws everyone in this nasty river water, and they have to wade through that to get off the boat. At least the water isn't 60 years old at that point, which is like right now, <laughs> being dumped in the, in the rivers of America would be pretty gross. It would be like getting dumped in the waters of class action park which we're talking about next week i can't wait (laughs) it's so fun it's so fun hi we're two non-doctors i'm liz mealy i'm maria shahada we have a podcast i don't know how we got it well we're comedians we stopped getting actual stage time so we turned to the internet we Um, have a lot of questions about health we talk about what we want to know more about and then we ask our fans to tell us if we're right and we're very rarely right we're never right we've been learning a lot through google our first episode is about maria having misophonia to me discussing dyslexia stuff that people feel like they know a little bit about and want to know more about to us discovering stuff neither of us knew much about like ASMR. My mom's on the show. My mom is a veterinarian. I'm pretty sure she's going to replace us at some point. We are on the Unpops Network. They saw our potential and was like, we think someday you guys will actually have value. (laughs) Which is an unpopular opinion. (laughs) Two non-doctors. Don't Don't listen listen to us. us. (laughs) Seriously, guys, we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, at least no one died when that tiger and panther fought. Points given. I mean, that's pretty great. Disney actually didn't have any fatalities. For nine years. First one happened May 1964 when 15-year-old Mark Maples of Long Beach, California was thrown from the top of the Matterhorn bobsleds. He landed on an adjacent ledge, fractured his ribs and skull, died three days later. A later investigation revealed that Maples' seatbelt restraint had been undone by a friend who was on the ride with him even disneyland's fault yeah that's the thing it does actually take a while for a fatality to happen that doesn't involve rider negligence i'm sorry like this is why you shouldn't have shitty friends (laughs) like what kind of psychopath is like oh this will be funny on a roller coaster i mean i literally have nightmares about my seat belt coming undone on roller coasters i i wonder if he asked his friend to do it because he also stood up which why it's a pod of losers. There, it's a group of them. Yeah, and I don't think the friend ever had any charges brought against him. So maybe he was just like, "My friend asked, man." It's the sixties. I mean, nobody's like, "Oh, they were having a good time," and you know, these things happen. I mean, that's basically how that. You know, I, I think it's important though to note that this is the story that we have. <laughs> just like, there's also like huge qualifier there. Like, I don't know. We don't really know how that guy died. Yeah, there's. A a lot of the original source material for this particular incident is kind of lost to history. Like, I'm not going to go to the Anaheim Library and look it up on microfiche, you maniacs. Also, like, the one difference between Walt Disney and the other situation involving Class Action, Action Park is Walt Disney paid people out. He never hesitated when there was an injury to just write a check. He knows 
like they knew Disney knows, like you write a check. What they never did or rarely did is admit that there was any negligence on their part or that anything went wrong with the ride itself. That's, that's the check. That's the check part. Yeah. That's why you get the check. So they can kind of dictate the terms of the settlement. Yeah. Because they don't want Disneyland to ever go away. So you can't have like what you have in class action park, uh, you know, a grieving mother 40 years later, literally celebrating the death of Walt Disney with a bottle of wine. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was pretty crazy. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if there was ever any settlement in this case, because I think this like went to court and they were like, he undid his seatbelt. What do you want from us? Like, I just, I just don't think, I don't think we live in a world where that family didn't get money. I don't care if it was the sixties. Like, well, they're for, I could see Disney fighting the first one and then being like, okay, like this is going to probably going to happen quite a bit. Learned our lesson because there were, there was a point early on where time magazine, I think it was in the eighties. They did a story about Disneyland and said that Disneyland gets hit with something like a hundred lawsuits a year. Yeah. Which that stands to reason. Like there's people who will walk into a grocery store and pretend to slip and try and file a lawsuit. I think if someone dies on your ride though, that's a different conversation than, you know, the churro burnt my tongue. Those churros though. I bet they're great. Well, you, you've never had a Disneyland churro. I know, but I do like a churro. So they're the best churros. They're so good. The Disneyland street food is so, it's not as good as it used to be. Honestly, it you in the, in the 90s, it was like, mwah, perfect. It's when they were still making those churros with horse fat. I like a good horse fat churro. Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't? Let's talk about Disney's first murder. Let's do it. They celebrated their first murder on March 7th, 1981. Celebrated might be a little strong of a term. Well, it's, it's a, it's a christening, if you will. A milestone's a milestone though. But this is again, like, it's shocking to me that this doesn't happen more often at Disneyland. Like. Yeah. And this definitely isn't that. Well, it's not completely their fault. One of the aspects of this becomes a running issue with Disneyland, but. There are some entanglements to use a parlance of our time. (laughs) This happened at the Tomorrowland attraction. 28-year-old James O'Driscoll was attending a private party held by the Roar Corporation with with his girlfriend, 25-year-old Julie Holdner. At some point during the party, O'Driscoll accuses this 18-year-old dude named Mel Yorba of Uh pinching his girlfriend, which I'm assuming meant like on the ass, something like that. It better have meant that if this is where it heads. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, you're not wearing green. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it is kind of close to St. Patrick's Day. So that is, I, I know it's, you know, I'm just trying to, that is possible other ways, but a fight breaks out and in the ensuing scuffle, Mel Yorba was stabbed in the heart. Yeah. And Julie Holdner was apprehended immediately, but James O'Driscoll escaped into the crowd and it took them 90 minutes to find him hiding in bushes at the park. Like, just get out of there, you idiot. Why are you still hiding in the park? But see, this is the thing. It's back to the design of that park. There's only one way in and one way out. There's a, and that's the, there's a reason for that. Like, because if you, if somebody stabs someone at Disneyland, the first thing they get to do is just stand in front of the exit because the guy's got to (laughs) go. Yeah, that's true. You know? So the family of Mel Yorba files a lawsuit and what they sued over is a thing that does become a running problem at Disney where because they want a certain image for visitors, like this is the happiest place on earth. So mom, why are the police and paramedics running through the crowd right now? That's what Disney didn't want. Yep. So they wouldn't summon outside help in cases like this. And in this case, they had Mel Yorba treated by a Disney nurse and then they put him in a van and drove him to a hospital as opposed to just calling 911 right away and being like, someone has been stabbed at Disneyland. Yeah. And that's what the family sued over. And they ended up settling the lawsuit for $600,000. And that actually becomes, in most of these incidents, that's one of the big problems is 
Disney not being willing to bring in outside help. They're like the Vatican. Well, they're like John Hammond, spared no expense. Yeah. Like, it's the image. So apparently every year, this just strikes me as a horrible idea, but uh, apparently every year Disney has this thing called grad night. Yep. You ever gone to a grad night? I have. Did you die? Uh, Contrary to popular belief. No. <laughs> Was it 2012? The world end on grad night? <laughs> the Mandela effect happening. Now here we are and you're alive again. I'm alive again and I chose to come back in a timeline where I can't leave my house. That's <laughs> great. Good job, Caitlin. Yeah, apparently, if you can believe it, over the years, some of these high school graduates have acted like real dipshits on grad night. Did not see that coming in an Orange County teenagers. Can you believe it? How is it possible? What? How, <laughs> say it ain't so, Adam. <laughs> One example, Thomas Guy Cleveland, a 19-year-old Northridge, California resident at the time. He was killed in June 1966 after trying to sneak into Disneyland on grad night by scaling the park's 16-foot-high outer fence and climbing onto the monorail track. A security guard shouted at him and warned him that there was a train coming, which would have been a good time to jump off the track and to somewhere else. And uh, Cleveland ignored him and instead jumped down to this fiberglass canopy that was beneath the track. And unfortunately, the clearing was not enough to keep him from getting hit directly in the face by a train. And it dragged him for 30 to 40 feet, killed him instantly. I read an article where the security guard in this incident said, I had to use a hose to get him off the tracks. He got wily coyotied. He sure did. And a very similar thing happened in June 1980 on grad night. Gerardo Gonzalez, a recent San Diego high school graduate, was killed while trying to climb from car to car on the people mover. Okay, so the people mover doesn't exist anymore. And I remember it. It was an incredibly slow moving ride. Like, I cannot emphasize enough how high or drunk this kid must have been in order to die trying to go car to car on this. It's like... So is it like, it sounds like it's just like a train. It's not even that, Adam. It's like, it was like a moving belt where bucket seating was. Like, even to get run over by this thing is impressive to me. Yeah, he apparently just slipped when he was trying to go from car to car and got crushed underneath. He must have been drunk. Like, I'm serious. That's the oh, only, yeah. like, it, it, it's the only... I think yeah. that's kind of a given in all of these cases, is that <laughs> these people were also very drunk. Thomas Cleveland yeah. definitely was, and these next people definitely were also. Here's another thing to, to consider, too, which is also, I mean, okay, I know everyone's going to be angry at me, but another huge stroke of brilliance of Walt Disney is that there was no alcohol sold in the park at Disneyland for the entirety. I mean, they didn't start selling alcohol in any of the California theme parks until California adventure popped up. And even then it was like a it was a wine bar. So that is smart. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and here's the thing, like never once in any of the times that I've been at Disneyland, have I thought, you know what I need is like a good solid vodka soda. And then I'm going to hop on this roller coaster. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like why, why people need to drink and do drugs at Disneyland when there's already a six foot mouse walking around is beyond me. I mean, drugs I could get behind, but there are few things worse than being really daytime drunk when it's super hot out and oh. you're stuck outside. No, you, you're an alcoholic if that's yeah. what you want. Like that, it's an unpleasant. Like you're you're needing that to get by. If, that, <laughs> if that's part of it, it's a it's a pillar of your daily practice. If you want to be day drunk in Anaheim in a crowd at Disneyland, yeah, it's the kind of thing you should probably have experienced once by your early twenties, and then learned enough from the experience to know it's not fun. It's why I don't like county fairs and stuff because people are drunk everywhere. Yeah, music festivals too. I hate it. I don't like being around a bunch of like wasted day drunk people because everyone's grumpy as shit. That's how Woodstock 99 happened. We've talked a lot about <laughs> crowds and alcohol. Woof. Let's talk about a couple more loadies. On grad night in June 1983, 
18-year-old Albuquerque resident Philip Strawn drowned in the Rivers of America attraction. He and a friend had been drinking heavily that night and decided to steal an inflatable rubber maintenance boat, as one does. Sure. And take it for a joyride. Problem, Caitlin. Uh-huh. They didn't know how to drive this boat. Oops. So they lost control and hit a rock and Strawn was thrown from the boat. So his drunk friend decides, well, the best course of action here, I'm going to take the boat back to shore and get help. And obviously, Philip Strawn drowned in the ensuing hour between when help finally arrived. And I just want to say this again. It's a miracle. More people. Do do you know that you can get in a canoe at Disneyland? (laughs) I don't like that. Like with other assholes, you can get in a canoe and you're just led on a canoe excursion through the rivers of America. I'm telling you, it is a miracle that more people don't die at Disneyland. Yeah, there's... This is in Disney World in Orlando, or it was, but they used to have a freshwater water park. Yeah. And a kid in 1980 got a brain-eating amoeba from falling in the water at this park. So they immediately closed it 21 years later after 9-11. <laughs> we should probably talk about that place at some point, too. Yeah. I really wanted to go when I was in Orlando a few years ago, but they've since closed the road. Cause you could just like walk in and tour the place, but they've since closed the road. And now the only way to get to it is to cross a river on a jet ski. And there are uh, gators in that river. It's not worth it. I'm going to say it's not worth it. Yeah. So, there's, there's YouTube videos you can watch if you need I'm to good. explore. I, I'm, I, I'll, I'll check out defunct land. That's a great YouTube channel. I'll just watch that. Hey, should we talk about the ghost at Disneyland? You know, this is the thing I've been excited to talk about. There have been rumors for decades that a ghost inhabits the Matterhorn bobsled attraction at Disneyland. Specifically, the ghost of a woman named Regina Dolly Young. Mm. She was riding the Matterhorn in 1984 when her seatbelt malfunctioned, throwing her from the ride. And here's the thing. They don't know if she undid her seatbelt or if it just came apart on accident because she was riding by herself. So there was no companion to provide any insight. The loneliest idea of just going on a ride at Disneyland by yourself. And then dying on it. And then dying. Oof. (laughs) Sorry, it's not funny, but it's making me laugh. It's not funny, but also. (laughs) Like your last moments are alone on a ride, like next to the... I don't know. Like you die at Disneyland alone. Like that takes some like serious, weird social issues. It really does. And so when she's thrown from the ride, she landed on another track and was immediately struck and killed by an oncoming sled. Imagine being in that sled. Oh no, we killed a loner. (laughs) That would be worse than dying on that ride. She really, out of all of the death, well, there's one more, out of all the deaths that she's the most final destination-y death, in my opinion. Like, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, except for the other one, and I'm I'm pretty sure I know what one you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) So her family sued, and they eventually settled with Disneyland, but Disneyland refused to accept that there was any responsibility on their part, but they did switch to a different type of seatbelt immediately after this incident yeah they just as part of the settlement refused to acknowledge that faulty seat belts might have been the issue and meanwhile employees have taken to calling the spot where she died as dolly's dip and at the end of each night employees have to walk the tracks of the matterhorn looking for lost and found items which in and of itself sounds terrifying to me i really do not want that job i know people that have had this job Cause again, I'm from Southern California. I know a lot of people who've worked at Disneyland and a lot of them have paranormal stories actually. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be a haunted place. Like if nothing else, ghosts are going to just like, if you're given the option to hang out at Disneyland for the rest of eternity, why not? This is the thing. Somebody once I was at a party and everybody was really stoned and they were all asking each other, like, if you could pick an existence, what would it be? And I always say, I want to be a duck at Disneyland. That's gotta (laughs) be the best existence on the planet because you're a duck. So you don't know what the fuck's going on. 
and there's food everywhere all the time. Everywhere. You don't have to go anywhere. There's no, you don't need to migrate. You're fine. You could just, I'm just saying that's the best life. And you don't need a ride if you can fly. Like, yeah, see, you're, 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 you're on my vibe with this. It is the best life imaginable. It would be pretty fun. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, several of those employees who have to walk that track have reported feeling Dolly's presence when searching the area where she died. Some of them even say that they always say hi to her when they're there, which is the smart thing to do. Well, yeah, it's like Robert. Right. Unless you're reading The Science of Getting Rich, which we talked about a couple weeks ago on an episode, which uh, I did read that book. I I followed up and read that book because it's very short. There's a really cool section where the guy's like, listen, I know it's tempting, but don't talk to ghosts. Ghosts have their own shit going on. They probably can't help you anyway. Just leave ghosts alone. (laughs) And he's so matter of fact about it. It's just, just wonderful. Turn of the century (laughs) self-help literature is some spooky shit. It It really is. We didn't really get into it in that episode because we were focused on other stuff, but the the think and grow rich Napoleon Hill gets into some truly insane stuff towards the end of that book. Like truly crazy. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it involves Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Edison. <laughs> I will say that. It's amazing. Oh man. Now I got to read that too. But yeah, I have friends that worked at Disneyland that would definitely, I have fr- I knew two people that, that did tours there for years and they would, the stuff, the underground stuff was like definitely haunted. Yeah. The tunnels under Disney are fascinating. Yeah. Like, yeah. That didn't even become public knowledge, I think, until the internet was a thing. Then there were like, every couple years, there'd be an article that was like, did you know there's tunnels under Disneyland? And it makes perfect sense. Like, you don't want kids to be traumatized by some hippie wearing only the bottom half of a goofy costume with a human head walking through the crowd. Nope. Nope. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's talk about, I'm pretty sure this is, we're on the same page as this having been the very final destination-esque death to happen at Disneyland. And I'm sorry I'm laughing, but it is so bad. It's so like, horrifying. It, it really, I hope all these people got lifetime passes to Disneyland. The settlement in this one was pretty intense because the big irony here is of all the rides to kill someone. This is not the one you would expect. It's like the slowest moving, most boring, last on your list thing to do at Disneyland. Yeah, it's just a, it's the, it's called the sailing ship Columbia and it just takes uh, passengers. It's a recreation of an old 18th century sailing ship. It's a pirate ship. Like it is, it is a pirate ship and you can walk around on the boat and like, you cross paths with the Mark Twain. You, they, it's it goes in the opposite direction that the Mark Twain riverboat goes in, and it's boring as all hell. And there's no air conditioning, so it's like, oof. I don't know. Like you've got to be like needing to come down off of something to want to be on this ride. It's so boring. Like it's just so shockingly boring. And it moves very slowly. Yes. So you expect not a lot of problems in terms of safety, but. On Christmas Eve day in 1998, it still managed to kill someone. As the ship was docking, a line was cast around the boat's metal cleat to secure it to the dock. And I had to look this up. I'm not a boatsman. Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since I've owned a really nice boat. I have a really utilitarian one right now in case of floods, but... I feel like you give a pretty strong semen vibe. (laughs) Gross. Caitlin, what's long, hard, and full of semen? Disneyland. A submarine. I'm 35. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man, this poor guy. 
this poor guy and this poor woman. I don't know who got it worse. I the one who died or the one who lived. Oof. But basically what's happening, and I, I, I looked up what the cleat is, and it's kind of like a T-shaped piece of metal, or almost yeah. more like a capital I shape. And it's a huge piece of metal that you wrap the line around when you're docking a boat so it doesn't drift off into the body of water in question. And when they normally did this, they would use a hemp rope that was designed to break if there was too much tension on it. And it was designed to break to avoid the exact thing that happens in this case. They end up replacing that rope with like a nylon bungee cord type of thing. That's And that makes it so much worse. And what happened is when they wrap this bungee cord around this huge metal cleat, for some reason, the cleat just pulled off of the boat, like tore away from it. And because it's on this bungee cord type of rope, it just flies into a crowd of onlookers who are waiting to get on this boat. And it ends up hitting a husband and wife in the face. The husband was killed pretty much instantly. The wife survived, but was permanently disfigured. And a 30-year-old park employee was also hit in the leg and had to have a bunch of surgeries to fix that. Because this thing would have had to have weighed a good, I don't know, 20, 30 pounds? Like, Those things weigh like 50 pounds. Yeah, for, a, for a boat that size, that, that's like, this. that is a final <laughs> destination death. Like, it is like a confluence of of all sorts of things that, that shouldn't have been happening. Yeah. And it like, what a shocking way to die. You're just standing there and all of a sudden, and these people had kids with them too. I know it's so bad. <laughs> Sorry. It's so bad. Like it's just, it's a really horrible way to die on Christmas Eve day. No less. God. And those kids should not have to pay for anything ever again. They probably don't because it's, the LA Times somehow put together an estimate or a guess as to what they think the settlement was in this case. And it's rumored to have been $25 million. Yeah. Because what happened, and we'll talk about it a little more with the last story, Disney changed their maintenance procedures at one point in a really controversial way. And this incident happened one year after that started. Yeah. But one of the big changes that happened at Disneyland as a result of this, that thing we've been talking about where Disney wouldn't like, usually they wouldn't summon outside help if they could avoid it. They definitely didn't have a outside police or medical presence in the park. So because it was Christmas Eve day, very busy, I'm assuming at Disneyland, it took the Anaheim PD four and a half hours to respond to the eventual 911 call over this incident. Yeah, that's... And a lot of that had to do with Disney not wanting a scary police presence on the grounds. And after this, they did finally start putting police and medical teams on the ground at Disneyland. I'm sure 9-11 also made a big... I think post 9-11, they were like, well, we can... No one's going to question why they're here anymore anyway. Right. You know, and, and like, I noticed after 9-11, like, they, they built out, like, they, they did a ton of stuff, like they, you know, California Adventure was this thing, and you could see they built out more access roads, like, around the perimeter of the park, it was a bunch of other stuff, infrastructurally, that they did. It's really interesting, and sad, it's very sad. Yeah. Also sad, the Indiana Jones Adventure ride killed a woman. (laughs) Have you ever been on this? It sounds terrifying. It's so fun. You'd love it. You would love Disneyland, Adam. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you, but this is like the whole place is right up your alley. Unless they've changed this thing, I'm never going on it because... I'm going to make you. We're going. This is a ride. This happened in 2001. 23-year-old Christina Moreno and her husband were on their honeymoon. Relax. They're from Spain. When they visited Disneyland on June 25th, 2000. And she and her husband go on this Indiana Jones ride. And when she gets off, she said it felt as if her head was rolling around. So they return to their hotel in Hollywood. And a short time later, Moreno passed out. She was taken to Cedars-Sinai Medical Center, then transferred by air ambulance to Spain, never regained consciousness, 
died on September 1st, 2000. So she was in a coma for over two months as a result of being on this ride. But I've been on that ride like... There had to have been something wrong with this person before they went on the ride. Well, here's the thing. This was the third incident of this kind that happened on this ride, but it was the first one that was fatal. And what happened in every case, the person had an existing brain aneurysm that was ruptured by this ride. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, that could have, that sucks. it, It definitely does suck. And it led to some more changes at Disney, which was basically that Disney, after this incident, had to abide by what are called common carrier laws, which are the laws that govern like a city bus. If you're responsible for transporting people somewhere on a vehicle, pretty much anything that happens to a person on that vehicle, you're going to be somewhat liable for. And Disney's argument was always, well, we're not transporting people. Like, we're not taking someone from one place to another. No, you're taking us into the land of imagination. Own up to it, Disney. Yeah. The California Supreme, it went all the way to the California Supreme Court. And they were like, no, it doesn't matter where people are going. It matters that you're putting them in a vehicle and moving them around. And so Disney had, like, this ended up being a huge settlement, too, because there were already two other incidents, and they didn't do anything to change it. Yeah. So... I mean, look, it sounds, this is very callous, but like this woman would have died if she had gotten rear-ended. I mean, like this, it's unfortunate, you know, um, but that ride's really fun. Is it still there? I thought it got replaced by something else. Oh no, Indiana Jones is awesome. I'll I'll go someday. I'm going with you. We're going together. It's going to be a good day. We're going to go. I'll go. I'll go. No, we're going. We got to go during the week though. Like, oh yeah, no, we're going to go in the fall during the week. When it's cool, it'll be fun. Actually, we'll go during Christmas time because that's the best time. I do like Christmas time. I, I know you do. And it's the most Christmassy place in California, period. I'm into that. It's the most festive spot. It's like Christmas Land on Nosferatu. Been watching that show? Really good. <laughs> no, I haven't. So let's talk about this last incident. The 2003 Big Thunder Mountain crash. This happened the day after I went to Disneyland and rode Big Thunder Mountain. That's creepy. Yes. Especially because of the way this incident happened. I have a picture of myself on the ride the day before this happened. Yeah. This happened September 5th, 2003. 22-year-old Gardena man named Marcelo Torres was killed on the Big Thunder Mountain railroad attraction. And what happened is the ride's locomotive, which is the front part of a train, separated from the train while it was inside a tunnel. Yeah. And what happened is the locomotive flew up in the air, smashes into the ceiling of this tunnel, and then smashes down on the first car of the train behind it. And Marcelo Torres was crushed to death instantly. It's so scary to think about. It really is. and. And what's especially scary about it is the ensuing investigation suggested that the cause of the accident was most likely a change to Disneyland's maintenance procedures that happened in 1997. We mentioned them briefly earlier. It's one year before the sailing ship broke that married couple's faces. And in 1997, that is the year that Disney switched to a maintenance procedure called reliability-centered maintenance. And basically what that does is it takes maintenance decisions out of the hands of maintenance workers who have been doing this for years and know how this ride operates. And instead, it uses repair histories and failure rates to determine when something will need to be serviced. And this was meant to increase profits by decreasing maintenance costs. A lot of that by way of eliminating hundreds of jobs, which they did. Yay! They also moved all of the maintenance staff to the graveyard shift. Yeah. So one, if there was any breakdown during the day, it just was broke down for the rest of the day. But also that, by all accounts, had a huge impact on morale among maintenance workers because who wants to work the graveyard shift if you've been working during the day this whole time? 
all all of Disneyland like stuff is done in the middle of the night. Like the gardening, the cleaning, all of it is done by moonlight. Before this, what they said is basically there would be a team dedicated to each ride and their job would just be yeah. to kind of sit around and hang out until something needed to be done. And with this change, with all these people getting fired, that meant people had to service multiple rides. I could see why that change would happen. But then I would pay these people a ton of money to be experts in all of these rides and listen to them when they said shit was going crazy. But it sounds like neither of those things happened. No. And it was later determined that the accident happened because of omissions during a maintenance procedure. There were fasteners on the left side of the floating axle, which were not tightened and secured according to specifications. So the axle came loose as they entered that tunnel, slammed into a brake section of the train, which is what caused it to become airborne and slam down on Marcelo Torres. I was on it the day before. That's creepy. Yeah. That's up there with how Keith Carey had a plane ticket he for one of the 9-11 planes yep. and ended up just missing his flight. He still has it. He said he's going to use it as an album cover someday, which would be very funny. I mean, it's it's a uh, he could probably sell it for real money. Yeah. Take that on Pawn Stars. There was another person. There was like a director, too. I think it was. Who was it? It wasn't Paul Greengrass. I'm only thinking that because he made Flight 93. But there was someone who was like. What's his last name? Seth McFarlane. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, that's we really could go on and on with Disneyland incidents. But the, those are the. The most harrowing. There's been a lot of falls and like, and there have been there have been things at Disney World too. Like a couple of years ago, a kid was eaten by an alligator in Disney World. Right, and uh, that was definitely a thing. Um, but we focused on Disneyland today because those are two separate places. Everybody, yeah, we should do a Disney World episode at some point. I have been to Disney World. I went there in fifth grade. It's still too long ago. Yeah, it was very long. I, I barely remember it. I remember eating ribs at a Chinese place. That's that's most of what I remember about going to Disney World. Well, I mean, at least you got the most, you know, classic Disney memory out of the experience. And also, I took my school backpack with me uh-huh. when I traveled to Florida, and I sure. put all my clothes in that. And then yeah. when I got back to school, I had forgotten to take my clothes out and I opened my backpack and a pair of tidy whities fell out and it was very embarrassing. That's that's not a good memory. No, no. So I got to go back to Disney World and replace that memory. Yeah, by leaving a pair of tidy whities on a statue of Walt Disney. I still have them. I might use them as an album cover someday. Well played. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I think that's our episode. Yeah, I think so. I think we've... <laughs> We've sullied the name of Disneyland enough. Yeah. If you were lonely for Disneyland, hopefully this helped. Yeah. It makes you feel better about it being closed yeah. for the time being, you know? Uh, like we mentioned at the top of the show, next week's episode is a bonus episode that you can only Bone get. Bone con. You can only get it on Patreon or Supercast, and we'll be discussing the documentary Class Action Park, which is. Oh, it's so good. It is wild. It, it's nice to cover something we don't hate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't hate Disneyland. Like, no, I mean for the Bone Con episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oof, that secret movie. I'm still mad. I paid $20 to watch that. What's going on? <laughs> Stay out of this, Tuck. It's none of your concern. You're just my fiance. Let me slap this handsome man at my daughter's birthday party in peace. You have no skin in the game. Back off. <laughs> you couldn't possibly feel like you have any entitlement in this scenario. I don't know why you're asking, Tuck. That is a movie about a shitty, shitty girlfriend. <laughs> That's what that is. And how little girls know how to use the secret better than anybody in the whole movie. Yeah, someone in the comments on Patreon asked if Katie Holmes used the secret to turn that woman into Josh Lucas's sister instead of his wife. Because <laughs> it did, so. did kind of so. seem that way. Yeah, and that first wedding happened at Disneyland. Oh. oh. Hey, don't forget to leave us a voicemail. We've gotten a couple more, but we need we need a bunch to fill out an episode 
anchor.fm slash pretty scary. You can leave us a VM. Thank you for those who have. We will answer them soon. This is good stuff. I'm excited. And uh, the first Unpops Zoom comedy show is this Friday, 9-11. Cancel your plans. Check our Twitter for links to get tickets to that if you want to watch that. It's such a good lineup. It really is a great lineup. I think it's going to be a really great show. You guys are going to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I'm not on it, but I will be there. I'll be running it, a thing I've never done before. I'm sure it'll be fine. (laughs) Uh, Caitlin, do you have anything to plug? Uh, follow me on Twitter at bossy, bossy Matilda, or find me on Instagram at Caitlin Rose cut. Um, also follow this show's Twitter account at pretty scary boo, pretty scary boo. And, uh, I think that's it. Let's get out of here. Caitlin say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye everybody. We love you. Oh, my God.